Hi there, this is Emily Williams, Disability Advisor for the Diocese of Leicester, and you're listening to the Disability in the Church podcast, a place where I chat to different guests all about disability inclusion within the Christian church. I hope this will be a place where we can learn together, make mistakes together, and spark new ideas together. This episode was recorded remotely during the UK lockdown, therefore the sound quality might not be as good as normal, but the content is still fab. Let's get started. Welcome to the next episode of the podcast. Um, I can't believe that we're still recording this podcast in lockdown. Um, It's almost a year to the day, uh, which is a very sad thought. So we're going to just move on from that, pretend that's not happening. Um, I'm joined today by my old friend Naomi Graham. Now Naomi is a PhD, a writer, an occupational therapist. She founded Growing Hope UK. Um, It's quite an impressive list there, Naomi. Do you want to tell us a bit more about yourself? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I'm Naomi. Hello. It's really great to be able to um, be doing this podcast with you. Um, um, and I think, yeah, for me, a bit about myself. Um, I, yeah, I've done a PhD in play for children with cerebral palsy. I'm an occupational therapist. So I look at all the things that children do every day, things like washing, dressing, eating, playing, writing, concentrating, see if there's anything they find a bit difficult and then how I can help make it easier. Um, I founded Growing Hope in 2017. So really, um, I've been working in NHS and also in private practice and there's just a massive gap for children with additional needs. And I really felt like the church could step into that gap. So um, yeah, we're three years on from that, which is absolutely crazy. Um, Yeah, I can't believe it's been three years. That's flown by. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely flame by. Um, but yeah, I uh, something else about me, it's been more exciting. Um, what do you do when I you're not working? Ballet. Sorry? Yeah, when I'm not working, love ballet. So, you know, do do a lot of ballet, have done since I was three and um, still go, well, no, I'm locked down. Um, but when I can go on Friday morning on my day off, go and do some ballet, which is great. Is there such um, a thing as like Zoom ballet? There is such a thing as Zoom Ballet. I have to say, I haven't, haven't totally got into the Zoom Ballet. It's a bit tricky to, um, uh, you know, doing it in your living room is not quite the same as doing it in the studio. So, um, yeah, or a kitchen. Uh, I mean, I've done, I've done the odd class. Um, I actually found the bathroom to be the best place to, be, to do ballet. Oh. <laughs> On back view. I've got a weirdly big bathroom. <laughs> That's great. Maybe it's the floor. Maybe like you could do a nice spin on the floor or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good floor as well. <laughs> uh, we first met at New Wine, probably. I'm not even going to count the years. Quite a few years ago. Yeah. Um, How you worked for New Wine, right? Talk to us. What What was that? So I worked as head of accessible church ministry for New Wine for, um, I think, two and a, a bit years also um but my role basically emerged from kind of trying to look at accessibility across the site at new wine supporting you know children and people with additional needs but then we realized actually it's you know it's much more than that we were running stuff for parents and carers which Mm. it'd been set up a a long time ago by heather holgate and kate wharton and incredible people who have really sewn into additional needs ministry and then when we when I started the role we actually what we did as well was we set up an adults additional needs ministry so we set up something called access but the idea basically of that role which is now 
Jess Thompson now does my role and is is brilliant or the role of head of accessible church ministry and um I think you know the idea is just to try and enable churches to be as accessible as possible um across the new wine network not just in the summer but um throughout the year and really you know give training and equip churches and give support I think for me my occupational therapy background and my kind of professional knowledge of this is how um you know this is how things can be made more accessible really helped me to be able to do that role I think for me what I um really noticed at like working with our place and access at New Line was it was actually enabling a lot of families to have a holiday um mm. and because you know camping isn't exactly what springs to mind if you've got some sort of especially some sort of physical disability it's not you wouldn't exactly think oh yeah let's go camping <laughs> um but somehow it kind of in a weird way it worked yeah yeah it's amazing I think you know it's incredible the families that um come go to new one year on year like yeah with all their equipment and you know we brought in things like uh Mobby Lou, so we had changing spaces with uh like accessible hoist and stuff like that and just but also just for families who yeah exactly like you're saying I mean families with kids with severe needs who might run away or you know need a lot of supervision camping is it's pretty stressful but actually I think there's such an amazing community feel at New Wine um, yeah. and people churches really come together and I I love that I think that's such a cool picture of inclusion and and, and accessibility in the way that yeah people come around a family to enable them to be able to come yeah it really is like it's church family isn't it everyone looks out for everyone um I remember mm -hmm. for a few years in our old church there was a family that had a child with down syndrome who like you said was very prone to legging it uh just to explore she was just having a lovely explore enjoying her holiday um yeah but, you know that was rather stressful for her parents but actually everyone in the church knew this and so everyone sort of just would clock and be like oh come back or follow and and it just worked yeah yeah it's um, it's so cool and I think yeah there's there's so many moments where I would be um yeah where we just see that you know getting to to go to New Orleans and meet all those families and just see churches really coming around people is is great I think um yeah there's there's so many standout moments from being at New Wine I think um one is definitely a family um of a child and we'll we'll call her Abby who um she couldn't walk or talk or um yeah do very much by herself and actually I met her really quite early on I must have been like uh I don't know 15 16 so it was right when I was yeah just helping with New Wine before I you know helping in our place and um, before I was leading anything and um she she was just amazing and carried the most incredible sense of God's presence and God's peace with her wherever she went and um it really you know and I was quite young so I didn't really I don't know I, I mean I feel like I'm hopefully older and wiser now but um I learned so much from that from that opportunity of just um just being with her and knowing something of what it is to just be in God's presence and mm -hmm. she really sadly died but at her funeral 
um, person after person after person got up and said, I know something more of what it is to, to be with God and to know God's peace because I spent time with Abby. And, and for me, like, that's amazing. And th- those moments where I would, you know, where you'd be in a room with um, kids who have, you know, ADHD and would normally be bouncing off the walls and one child with autism who really doesn't like crowds and a child with um, cerebral palsy who, y- you know, um, ha- when the camping doesn't get to go out their wheelchair very much, but we we kind of help everybody um, lie down on the floor underneath the parachute and do parachute prayer. And um, where, you know, basically we just wave the parachute and ask the Holy Spirit to come and um, be with with all of us. But um, those moments were amazing because you'd see children and and leaders and people just lying next to each other and this incredible sense of stillness when you're thinking this should not be happening in this venue never still (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) this doesn't normally go this way and but just seeing God you know and there were days where it was more noisy and and less uh instant peace but uh, God is just so faithful in the way that he um yeah I mean he wants to encounter all of us doesn't he and whoever we are and whatever our needs are and I think um I really learned that a lot saw that a lot at New Wine which is a super it's so powerful I yeah I think I would agree with you that I think that's probably the biggest thing I took away from New Wine was yeah the the so obvious relationship with God that these adults and young people and children all have and I think quite often they can be written off as not being able to have a relationship with God and that could not be further from the truth and that's so evident just in the stories you've just told I mean I nearly cried when you told that story about Abby I all filled up and um I mean it's just so evident isn't it that's yeah yeah amazing yeah it was actually while I was at New Wine in the marketplace that I bought your book Love Surpassing Knowledge in terms of like your professional timeline where did you write that like in terms of PhDing, OTing, Growing Hope, New Wine, where did that appear? Um, so I, where did it appear? I um, I became an OT, uh, oh, a long time ago now, in 2011, um, and it started working, I, I don't know, I'm actually quite old, um, <laughs> up in the second old. For, uh, yeah, uh, worked up there um, with, in, in a children's, occupational therapy service and then um then got the opportunity to do my PhD and I did that um yeah looking at play for children with cerebral palsy uh down in Brighton but actually worked in London a couple of days a week and that was a three-year thing and then I'd really during that time really felt called to growing hope um and also had had stepped into the head of uh, accessible church ministry at the role at New Wine during that time um and yeah lots of things kind of happened at once but what what actually happened is I felt like okay I really need to, to do Growing Hope my PhD came to an end and I was like I need to take some time off before I jump in um so it was kind of all around that time that I wrote my book took some time off and then and then wrote wrote it all and jumped into Growing Hope and um yeah carried on from there but the kind of yeah I I, I think it was a good moment for me <laughs> to write it. When you were when you were writing Love's Passing Knowledge, what, what were you hoping people would get from it? What what was the desire for it? 
So I think that story that I just told about Abby um, is actually one of one of the main one of the things that inspired like the title at least that that verse of um, in Ephesians three I pray that you may know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge um, was the feeling that for me um, exactly like you were saying often the world or like you know when we're busy we actually don't have we don't really um, fully grasp the way that people can connect with God and what we might do is we might assume that because someone can't talk to us because they can't display a knowledge um, of God that they might not have a relationship with him and what I really want to do is say it's not about that like God's love surpasses knowledge his his love actually has kind of no borders does it he is able to connect with each of us and we're all able to have a relationship with him whatever our needs are and I think for me I wanted to combine my occupational therapy experience of sensory processing and like how we understand and process the world around us and and actually quite like I guess quite a lot of it is a bit is quite scientific like a kind of quite professional angle of like okay this is how we process the world this is how we see hear touch smell taste move and um, this is what it says in the bible like I mean, I think as I reflected more and more on OT and the training I was doing, like more and more I'd read the Bible and be like, oh, like God's talking in that bit of the Bible through like the way someone's moving their body and that's how they're able to connect with him. And that really links to the science because the way that our brains work is that the more we move, the more we're able to understand, the more we're able to focus. And then, so for each chapter, I kind of talk through a sense, talk through how it's talked about in the Bible. And then I what I do is um, talk about how we can practically use that in our church setting, how we can enable accessibility in a, you know, across our church by thinking about those different ways that God talks to us. I think it's probably one of the most helpful books I read when I was like first getting into this field. I, yeah, I found it so, so helpful. Like you say, like the merging of like there was that whole bit of the science and that really felt like it educated me and equipped me to better understand the, the children at the time that I was working with. Uh, but then the, how that then merged with, you know, the Bible theology and then practically how that can play out in church was so helpful. I love at the back, you've got like a ton of append appendices. Is that what I said? Yeah. Yeah. Appendices. yeah, yeah. Um, with like uh, example sensory stories and uh, like visual timetable things. And it's just full of really practical things. I think if, if you're just starting, if, if you don't know where to start, like start there. That would be my that would, my plug for your book. Start there. <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> I was on a phone call. I was on a phone call just yesterday with a um, children's worker in my diocese who wants to do more sensory stories with um, with one of her kids groups. Uh, she thinks it's like thinks it will really suit those children that she's got, um, but she's never done them before. Um, and so we were chatting all about sensory stories and I was kind of talking her through things. Um, but then afterwards I was like, wait, <laughs> there's this book, read this book. Um, so hopefully she'll read that book as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks so much. Yeah. I think I mean, that was the, that was the aim, like to create something that was really practical that, um, you know, both like, I wanted to help people to think about the way that we all connect with God in different ways, but also then to be able to have some really practical things at their fingertips so that they could 
crack on and, and do that. I think one of the biggest things I always like is that I, I really want people to start to do. And I think it's the way that Jesus models it is making changes for everyone rather than just one person. Like, you know, we constantly see in the Bible, Jesus bringing people like from the edges of society in whatever, you know, who are perceived as on the edges into the center. And I think like we have such an opportunity as churches and in our ministries to think like, okay, how can I do something that actually, you know, anyone could walk through that door and they would be able to engage with God and in what's happening. Mm, 100%. We've talked quite a bit about your occupational therapy things and how that's like woven in with all of that. But just if people don't know what occupational therapy is, can you can you just explain that? You said about like everyday tasks and things like that. Yeah. So OTs, occupational therapists look at, yeah, everyday tasks that people find difficult and then what motivates them and how they can help make it easier, specifically in paediatrics. Like with children and young people, I'm looking at, yeah, everyday things like getting washed, getting dressed, doing writing, concentrating on a task, you know, behaviour, self-esteem, anything that might impact on someone's ability to be able to join in in activity and then trying to use yeah like you know my knowledge of sensory processing and and all that kind of thing how how our brains and our bodies work to enable something to be a bit easier um yeah how do you Probably. find that crosses over when you're looking at a church setting or or new wine or anything like that how do you find all of that work all of your occupational work uh, occupational therapy work how do you find that that crosses over with church what do you find is helpful um so I think I mean generally the interesting thing is becoming an occupational therapist is you can't really switch it off mm-hmm. <laughs> you uh, you start to the, to see the world and to understand people in the way that you've learned to and it's very much about problem solving and being able to look at a situation and say okay like what you know what's going on here what could make something easier what could enable someone to feel a bit more motivated or want to join in a bit more um I think so the stuff around sensory processing and the way that we take in and respond to the world around us like I'm 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 often thinking about that so most people know about uh those five common senses our sense of um sight smell taste touch <laughs> and hearing um nearly forgot one then it's yeah, I couldn't difficult. remember either <laughs> <laughs> and then what you actually we actually have three more senses that aren't really talked about so you have your sense of your vestibular sense which is like your sense of balance so that's about how fast I'm moving and the direction that I'm moving in you have your sense of proprioception which is one that I talk about all the time because it's it's really helpful um but that is about your sense of body awareness so if I put my arm in one position and close my eyes I can copy it with my other arm because I know where my body is in space I don't have to look at my look at where it is and be like okay how do I make it this position we you have um receptors in your joints and they send signals to your brain telling you where your body is so without looking right now you know you know whether you're you're walking around or whether you're sitting with your legs crossed or whether you've got something in your hands um you know people who are who are listening um and then you have your interoceptive sense which is your internal sense and it's kind of it's coming out quite a lot in research at the moment so there's not actually loads on it but it's the sense of like 
um, it's a sense from receptors on your internal organs, but it's like whether you're hungry, whether you need the toilet, um, whether you're thirsty. And I think in some ways that's where that like um, kind of that like deep peace kind of feeling um, that I think God can speak to us through. I feel like that's maybe in that sense. And the amazing thing that we know about the senses is that actually we process and understand the world um through those senses so whether we are able to kind of um cognitively understand like you know uh, what's going on around us actually um there's often there's this picture of like a triangle where your the senses are right at the very bottom and then learning is at the top of this triangle um so actually engaging with people in those in through senses um enables you know a deeper understanding than than not engaging with senses I think like in terms of doing that practically in a church setting um this podcast and other resources are created voluntarily to help encourage churches to become more accessible to those with disabilities Emily would love to give more to her role as disability advisor One simple way to support her in this is to visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash Emily Williams. Essentially, you donate the cost of a brew from your local coffee shop. You can even commit to it monthly. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash Emily Williams. Thank you for any support you can give. Um, You know, environment is really important. So people might be sensitive to certain senses. So like you know, often people might find things too noisy or they might not like it if too many people can touch them and it's a bit like crowded. So, you know, do you have a space where someone who actually doesn't like being with the crowds can can be with a bit more space or mm. like, do you have ear defenders so that if it's too noisy, someone could pop them on or earplugs if it's too noisy and they don't want to show that they're finding it too noisy? Yeah. Or do you have a break within the service so that, um, actually people can move around if they need that opportunity to have a movement break and I think I mean um, the interesting thing about additional needs is that like they're so wide-ranging aren't they it's, it, it, and we all have days where we find it harder p- to participate than other days um, and it could be you know actually someone's just going through a season of grief and and actually they're finding things really overwhelming and for them the interesting thing about our senses is that if we're feeling stressed or overwhelmed like all of our kind of preferences and the way we process those um changes and we and you know everything feels a bit more intense Mm -hmm. so for example I don't really like loud noise that much but if I'm really stressed I'll find loud noise really quite overwhelming um because I'm feeling stressed yeah yeah I was gonna say I think what's interesting for me the more I learn about senses is it's not it's not limited to those with disabilities or additional needs. Like if you're going to make mm-hmm. a change in your service, I can almost guarantee you it will benefit the majority of your congregation. Um, Cause like you say, if someone's going through grief, that can like throw off the balance of their, I don't know, like internal level, I suppose, of all the, of managing these senses. Um, you said about um, the internal one in interest, interest, interception. Yeah. Interception. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that reminded me when I was pregnant, I, I couldn't cope with anything. I, I was, 
And I, I said to Ben, I was like, I just feel like I'm having a sensory overload. I, I, I've lost count of how many times I must have said that to Ben. And I think, I genuinely think it's because I was so aware of everything inside me. I could feel, I could feel Jude moving. Maybe I felt a bit nauseous. I could feel, I could feel my ribs. I've never before felt my ribs like from the inside. Yeah. Like I could just, I felt like I could feel every organ in there. <laughs> and yeah. so much of my capacity was being taken up to process that, that I had nothing left for like the outside world. <laughs> um, yeah. And so like you said, if someone's experiencing grief, they're having to use like part of their regular capacity to sort of process that, which leaves less for, you know, the normal life that they would do. Um, mm. So yeah, I think it, it really isn't just limited to those with additional needs. I think it is, it's everyone, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about that in, te in terms of like, you know, um, I often give the example of if you if you ever go to the gym or go for a run or you have that feeling in your body that's like oh okay I've done something and you're able to concentrate a bit more like that's the power of, of movement <laughs> activity um, in the way it regulates our brain or if you for example doodle often loads of people doodle the, the reason that we doodle it's often at bit of a subconscious thing but what we're doing is we're giving our brains what we need like we're moving a bit and we're doing something that's enabling our brains to kind of stay active whilst we're listening and um, similar to like if you chew gum when you're in the car to help you concentrate what you're doing is you're yeah you're giving your your brain something that enables you to listen so all of those strategies we can use to enable people to engage you know the more we have movement breaks the more we like give someone a cheery sweet or like give an opportunity um, to engage, not just in a way of, of kind of sitting and listening. I think that's probably, you know, one of the biggest uh, take homes of, of like multi-sensory stuff is just being able to really um, engage, not just in a, you know, you sit and listen, but actually how can we enable people to engage in a way that's um, through the rest of their senses you know could you, can you are you using visuals like is there an object you can have that um, people use to respond in terms of prayer stuff like is there you know are there fidgets at the door like have you got some pipe cleaners someone could pick up on their way in if they want something to hold in their hands like whilst they're listening or um, you know could you do like something around smell and like make it you know have some scented candles one week or um you know some people might find that a bit overwhelming but um <laughs> you know there are lots of different ways to engage with senses in the way yeah. that we do church I mean even right now I'm like I'm fiddling with my hair bubble under the desk <laughs> I'm terrible at sitting and listening I just can't do it in church I take a sudoku book with me to church and I, I do sudokus during the sermon because I can't just sit and listen if I try and sit yeah. and listen, my head's planning the next week I'm thinking about meetings or Jude or nursery whereas if I'm doing a sudoku book um then I'm listening <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah 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 so before about how um, you're really passionate about the church being able to fill sort of the gap for families with additional needs um, and that that sort of led to growing hope um, mm. what had talk me through that more I think well basically I, you know across the board uh, families of children with additional needs um, I think often feel really pushed to the edges of of 
of society of you know it's often they often have to fight to get the provision their child needs for education like they often don't really get the therapy provision that they need um, often it's quite isolating because they can't let somebody else look after their child who hasn't doesn't know the child really really well like there's often relational breakdown because of the stresses of caring for someone at home mm-hmm. and I think um, I think all of those things mount up and we we see that you know both just in society but also reflected in church in the way that families feel like they can access church um, so if if you're a family of children with additional needs then it takes a lot to you know get yourself kind of up and ready and out the door and let alone to kind of present at church and and kind of um yeah you know enable your child to engage there so I think like a lot of what I was doing through new wine and and just stuff I'd done previously like I and learning as an OT like I think it's so important for us to be able to change like we were talking about earlier, the way that we do things so that anyone can come through the door and be welcome and join in. Mm-hmm. And that can take a bit more effort to, you know, have the team that you need to be able to um, support the children who have needs. Um, but I think for me, like when I set up Growing Hope, I basically set it up because I'd been, you know, I know there's a massive healthcare need. I know that families aren't getting enough therapy input and I was in private practice and seeing you know I saw a family who had bailiffs knocking on their door and still chose to pay for therapy because they knew their kid needed it and like that's crazy that that that's the length that families go to because they they really want support for their children and I think um I you know I went to Thailand and India and I actually saw there the local church stepping out and being the place where um healthcare was provided but also sharing hope in Jesus and I think um yeah all of those things and then the dream for growing hope kind of grew and that's why you know we aim to grow hope for children hope for families hope in Jesus and hope in Jesus is really central to Mm. to you know why why we do it and I think so one of the things we do is we often pray for people when they come along to clinic um and we you know people don't have to pray if they don't want to but amazingly I, I would say you know majority aren't Christians have no faith background but actually majority say yes to prayer and um engage in that which is amazing and we get to share that hope that Jesus brings and then part of it was around like because growing hope clinics and we're hoping to set up 20 clinics across the UK by 2030 so we're you know looking for partnership churches if anyone's listening to this and decides they they might like to set up a growing hope um the idea is that you have a therapist in the church space but the idea of having them in the church space is that families then come in they then a bit more comfortable in the space and you can invite them along to church on a Sunday and part of the Mm -hmm. model is that whoever that lead therapist is works on a Sunday so that the church has someone who you know is like on their staff team Mm -hmm. is working on a Sunday literally there to enable accessibility and to enable be that link and enable families to be able to come into church and um, it as doing I do that role at KXC in, in King's Cross and um, for me you know what I've done is I've trained up a team of volunteers who are growing hope volunteers who um, can come along on a Sunday morning and provide one-to-one or like group support for children specifically who have additional needs so that they then can join in and that alongside changing our program to make it as accessible as possible is how we yeah how we run and you know I met a family 
Um, oh, quite a while ago now. I think they've been at KXC, I'm telling you the end of the story, for maybe a year and a half now. Um, but when I first met them, they, it took a while to, to actually meet them because they had a lot going on. And um, when I eventually got there, like to the assessment, um, I invited them to church and the mum was like, wow, like you're inviting me to church are you sure? And I was like, yeah, absolutely, I'm sure. Like, you know, this is, you know, we, we want you to be able to come if you'd like to come. And um, their story was that they they have a child with severe autism, um, a single mum who has four kids. And she, she basically had stopped going to church about four years, for four years or so before that, because mm. of her child's needs. And the siblings had and being like mum we can't do it it's too difficult like you know it just doesn't go well and um so it's it's been amazing to journey with their family and um you know they'd be the first people to say KXC is our our home we feel so welcome we um really want to come along and and that's amazing I think like you know even if it's for, for them, growing hope was worth it, I think. Yeah. And um, but actually that's not, you know, it's not the end of the story. She's invited some friends uh, who have children with autism. They also now come to church. Like a few more families from clinic have come along. Like it, you know, it takes time to build relationships, but actually um, we're seeing more and more that families really feel like they can be welcome whatever their kids needs are which is amazing yeah and that's that you've invested that time to build that relationship with that family and and you've been brave and invited and essentially been open and honest to be like we will learn what we need to do to keep your to keep you your family happy safe and thriving here and and we'll we'll do our best to make those changes and that's that's what it's all about isn't it it's learning it's being adaptable it's it's getting things wrong it's trying like that's what that's what it's all about absolutely flexibility is so important yeah yeah <laughs> it's always a learning curve mm. so as well as um all the therapy being rooted in like church and all being provided from a church and that sort of christian element which is obviously so unique to Growing Hope. You don't get any of that in NHS provision. Um, another yeah. thing that leapt out at me is the therapy you guys provide is free, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, because, um, I mean, I, you know, I think healthcare should be free. I think these families should have free support, to be honest. And I think um, we didn't want any it's actually a, a few reasons but didn't want any families to not be able to come and access mm -hmm. more support and I think one of the things that we do is like we're trying to have quite a holistic approach so supporting parents and carers and siblings as, as well as the child themselves so yeah it's quite like a uh you know we're a bit more able to build that relationship with families mm. which I think makes a difference and then the other reason is just because we want to be able to grow growing hope we wanted to have like as simple a model as possible so we exist like purely actually on like fundraising and grants and um events and stuff but that enables us to then provide therapy for everyone and it means that the therapists you know aren't having to spend time doing any admin around means testing or collecting money from people or um it, it's all about actually providing the service for the child and and family i guess it enables yeah. more time to just be child focused family focused isn't it yeah yeah exactly what sort of fundraising do you do 
Do you, are you able, um, outside of COVID, are you able to have fun with that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, outside of COVID, we have um, fundraising balls, which is amazing. Um, we do, um, yeah, we do a ball, a ball a year. I mean, actually, several, there are lots of, so at the moment we have three Growing Hope charities, a national one, King's Cross Clinic and Broccoli Clinic. Um, and hopefully we'll have other, yeah, other charities in the future and um, other clinics. But yeah, um, yeah, balls, asking people for money, having dinners. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think we, you know, um, there are so many different ways to fundraise and story is really important. I think yeah. the more we tell stories, you know, which we do online all the time through our social media and stuff. Um, but we want people to be able to realise why we, why what we're doing is important and how it impacts the families that we're working with. Um, and I think, you know, then you also have various, like, creative ideas. And we love creative ideas. We love people to help us. If anyone wants to help us with fundraising, they're so, so welcome. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, the next thing we're planning on doing is a, a hosting for Hope um, six people for dinner event, which, you know, as as post-COVID, hopefully yeah. will be something that can happen. Um, but yeah. I bet, whenever, it, I bet whenever you're allowed to do balls again, I bet they'll be busy because everyone will be like, yes, get dressed up, get all swanky. <laughs> yes, salt. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hopefully that's the plan. <laughs> they are always amazing. Um, we've talked about how like it's so closely linked with churches and everything in terms of a like a Sunday service um, what would be like your top three generic inclusion tips um, yeah yeah um, I would say top three oh, it's really hard to just have three um, welcome you can give us more if you want <laughs> <laughs> welcome is the most important thing I would say like saying hello like um not not being afraid I think fear can often really hold us back um because we think aha I don't know what's going on with this child or family or adult or individual that I'm seeing like how am I supposed to say hello but just starting with saying hello um you know asking someone what what they need what would be helpful for them um would be the most important thing so welcome and like really thinking you know if we're doing that thing before of, of making changes for everyone not just the one person hopefully we've already made the changes that might enable that person to mm. be able to to feel welcome and it's about actually being like oh you know we have this and we have this like would that be helpful and they're the kind of things that can make families feel so welcome if you if you're a family who has a child who's sensitive to noise and you come in and you've forgotten their ear defenders but actually you walk into a church where they have their defenders that you can just use like that's amazing that speaks volumes of the the kind of welcome that that church is providing you and um, multi-sensory we've already talked about that would be my second tip but just really um yeah really making sure that you're um using all of those senses you know thinking about how we can engage in all the different senses to enable people to join in and then I would say probably the third practical thing which I've mentioned but haven't you know 
fully honed in on um, is movement, using movement activities, because movement is really, really regulating for all of us, whoever we are. Um, but if we do those things like building breaks into the service, or if we're doing kids ministry, like building a movement break, so sitting down, then walking like a bear to the craft table, doing the craft, and then doing some star jumps before we go and have our snack, and like making sure that snack is really crunchy, like apple or carrot sticks um, because um, that is moving our jaw and that's enabling us to concentrate and for little kids or anyone really if you if you crunch while you're listening it's much easier to listen so that could be a good time to pitch your multi-sensory story um, but yeah all of those things uh, were probably my my top tips. I could talk to you for hours I could honestly just talk to you for hours I've I've learned so much <laughs> in the last 45 minutes um, we're gonna have to do more episodes about specific things I could talk to you honestly for hours <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, thank you so much um I ask everyone the same question to close the podcast so I'm going to ask you as well in your opinion yeah. why is it everybody's responsibility to be aware and to include I think it's everyone's responsibility because because we're made in God's image and we're loved by a God who has a heart for all people of all abilities and therefore like our call is to to welcome and to love as, as God loves to see as he sees and to enable everyone to be able to have connection with him. Amen. Thank you so much. I've, I've absolutely loved this. I've learned. I hope listeners have learned. Uh, check out Growing Hope. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Disability in the Church podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, then you can head to the Diocese of Leicester website and search Disability Resources for Churches. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us next time. Bye.